Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. Welcome to the Less Stressed Life podcast. This is your host, Krista Bigler, private practice integrative nutritionist, helping people across the U.S. reverse digestive issues, eczema, and autoimmunity via phone and video consult. To learn more, visit lessstressednutrition.com. Now, on to the show. All right, so today on The Less Stress Life, we have Jane Barlow Christensen, who is an herbalist that runs and owns Barlow Herbal Specialties. She lives in Salt Lake City, where she enjoys hiking all over the mountains of Utah and teaching fitness classes. She is has really has herbalism with, uh, in her blood with a dad who was a medical botanist. I'm excited to talk about that. And she believes that each of us are responsible for ourselves and the love, joy, and spiritual physical health that we experience. Welcome, Jane. Thank you, Krista. I'm so excited to talk to you. Yeah, well, I'm excited to dispel uh, some for you to talk about your favorite herb and make me less or more comfortable with using it. So <laughs> let's talk about I um, I took uh, I took a, an herbalism class uh, once from Viva Ram and one of the uh, assignments in it was go talk to herbalists, like go talk to herbal herbal, you know, self-proclaimed, trained, whatever. I talked to a few different types and man, there is a huge difference. So um, you're kind of in the camp who you had it handed down. Like, I feel like you got some of it coming down um, from your father. So just tell me about your background, where this came from. Is it in your blood? Um, What happened? Like, how did it become what it is today? Yeah, so my dad um, had a love of plants from when he was really small And so he went to college and got his PhD in medicinal botany. So that's basically making medicine out of plants. What made him tick and what he loved, he totally geeked out on was um, what made the properties of one plant work and what, you know, like he was just fascinated by the Latin names and the common names and where they grew in the wild and what plants couldn't be cultivated. And so he, this was just his, you know, we all have things that make us geek out. And that's what made my dad totally love life is what everything plants. So, you know, I'm second oldest of 14 kids. And that's a lot of kids. But I so I got like this huge, um, from when I was born, just my dad had stuff grown in pots and things in the garden and things in the, I mean, there were little plants and stuff growing everywhere. And it's just, that was just normal for me and my siblings. So yeah, I come by it honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was raised, you know, I was raised just using poultices and herbs. And of course we went to the doctor if we 
had a, a bone to be set or something. But yeah, for the most part, my dad used herbs to take care of us, which was epic. So then growing up, did you kind of turn away from this or was it always part of you? And then did you do some additional training in it or did you just, is it something you did self-study on? How did you get to be so knowledgeable beyond having the dad? Yeah, so it's from my dad, definitely a lot, a huge base. Um, I did not do any traditional studies, um, which is, you know, I'm very much self-taught at this point. Plus, uh, I have been collaborating. My dad passed away 21 years ago, and the majority of our customer base, um, even when my dad was alive, has been practitioners. So naturopaths and acupuncturists and chiropractors, and actually the last about 10 or 15 years, a lot of medical doctors have found us because what I find is a lot of people will get diagnosed with something kind of gnarly and they might have either exhausted all of the medical resources or things that options that they have, or they simply are motivated to do something natural because they don't want to go the medical route. So there's a, there's a kind of a group of medical doctors who are like, okay, my patients are motivated. They want natural remedies. So I'm going to provide some options. And so I have this group of medical doctors who use my stuff. And uh, so there's a lot of collaboration over the years that I've gotten from feedback from all these doctors and just working with people for a long, long time. So no, I'm not, I'm not traditionally trained. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's, but you've been training for almost 60 years. <laughs> I yes, don't know if you want to be yes. Anyone that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. You know, I'm 58, and that's a long time to be on the planet. And I think if you look back at natural medicine and herbal medicine, it's it's usually passed down generation to generation. You have a medicine man in the Amazon who is probably you know has a grandfather and a grand great grandmother and clear generations back. I mean, that's how we used to pass knowledge down. So I'm yeah familiar yeah. with this because I live on the reservation in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the country. And so I see that there is a lot of like passed down knowledge from grandparents, etc. And I, I do crave that I'd like to go out. Um, my sister in law worked with youth diabetes prevention. And one of the things that they did was go out and dig turnips and dig things with the kids. So it's really great to, that they're that in parts in different places. I mean, that that is at least in, in part alive and well, um, the handing down and, and you know, taking care of the land, et cetera. So yeah, I, mean, I have agree. land around me that has never been used for anything. It's just native grasslands. And so that's the kind of fun part, right? Like I'm so curious about what's right underneath my nose. Yeah, I should come up and we should go wild crafting sometime. <laughs> that would be very fun. I could show you a lot of cool things. So yeah. sometimes when I talk to clients about the difference between herbs, and I'm trying to explain it because I feel like for some people, um, herbs need a little massaging, right? Like when they come to you, not so much. They already know they're coming from herbs. But if they're coming to me and they need X, Y, Z thing, there's – I explain it like this, and I want you to kind of correct me or, or add to it how you would maybe describe it. I talk about how, let's say, there's – you can take an enzyme or you can take this – I think that might be a good example, like really an enzyme. You can take a replacement, a nutrient or an enzyme, or you can take herbs, which help modulate or stimulate your body to try to do that thing on its own. Own, helps you try to like manage it on its own um, and coax your body to do it on its own. Do you think that's an appropriate um, description? Yeah, I mean, I would much rather do something natural, uh, food-wise, superfood-wise, herb-wise, than do a replacement. But I think you can't discount the replacements. Like enzymes are a very good 
um, example because, you know, your body desperately needs enzymes. And with the way people eat, they're not getting the correct enzymes. You know, I mean, if you eat a big raw salad um, and, and you eat raw food with every meal, you're going to you're going to have a lot better chances of getting your enzymes. But, yeah, I think that's that's a very fair statement. OK, uh, one of the herbalists that I talked to in my assignment uh, she was kind of like a traditional herbalist that had learned things because she had gone uh, foraging with, with her mom or grandma or, or whatever. And so uh, she had a lot of different beliefs about things, and she was into the energetics of herbs. And so she talked about how she really felt that like the frequency of the herbal dose was more important than the quantity. How do you feel about that? Um, because this is like herbs are a huge topic, and so just trying to understand how to make them work most effectively, it, you know, it's an uphill thing. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. And I think it's, uh, it's not one or the other. I think that if you look at homeopathy, that's all frequency, mm-hmm. you know, that's frequency, highly diluted. But the thing is, you know, one of the things that my dad taught us from a very, very young age is that everything that, that he did, everything that he formulated, every product that he did was all made with love. And if I mean, even we to this day on every one of our bottles, it says made with love because there is there is an energetic, even if you don't have that or you don't don't have a, I mean, there is frequency to herbal medicine. I mean, we're talking about things that grow in the earth that are hopefully cultivated or wildcrafted lovingly with the intentions. I mean, to me, frequency and I mean, the frequency of the energy now, were you talking about frequency of just like how often you do it? Yeah, actually I was, but I, what you're saying is totally fine too. I was meaning, yep, like if you give okay. this dose kind of more three times a day versus, you know, once oh, every okay. every once in a while, something like that. Maybe. Okay, okay, okay. Well, let's, let me kind of backtrack a little bit because even though I, the frequency of the energy is very important too. Mm-hmm. Uh, say you have, say we're, I know we're going to talk about this plant lomation that you're a little bit nervous about taking. Um if with this plant there appears to be no organ toxicity so if you get an acute like an acute infection like a uti or an acute ear infection it's very safe to increase the dose until it does the job so that's a really broad statement but if you so this is what i how i've used it i've only ever had one uti in my life it was about 15 years ago and i took a dose a high dose which is 50 to 100 drops of this liquid tincture that I make out of it, every hour for 12 hours, I took a high dose of lamatium. And the next day, my infection was gone, my UTI was gone. I didn't do anything else. I didn't, I made, I drank a lot of water, which is important if you have a UTI. But the thing is, there are some herbs that you can't do that with because there can be some organ toxicity. So you have to know, you have to know what herbs you can do that with. So it depends on what you're going after, what issue you're going after. And it depends on the plant. So you might need to take it twice a day and stay consistent for six months to clear out a chronic infection as compared to an acute infection. So it really just depends. Yeah, that's fair. And it's not really fair to come on and say, let's talk about herbs broadly, um, because and we can zoom in a little bit. So let's talk about this. Um, let's talk about it from like daily living first, and then we'll talk about it in supplemental form. So everything we can say, like herbs are much more potent than what's in fruits and vegetables, right? Um, so we should be adding more herbs to our daily diet, our daily life. What are your, some of your favorite ways to incorporate herbs into your daily life and give some examples of maybe the types of herbs um, if, if it doesn't fit initially? 
Yeah, no, that's easy. Actually, this should be easy for everyone, and I think this is actually becoming a pretty big thing. Uh, people have herbs in their in pots, and especially this time of year, you know, we're in the middle of the summer right now recording this, and so my favorite way to do it is to use herbs like basil and rosemary and chives and uh, cilantro that I grow in my garden because that's when the viability of all the properties, you know, like cilantro is a chelator. It actually helps your body uh, deal with heavy metals and helps your body eliminate them. So if you can get cilantro that grows in your garden um, and you can use it fresh, that's, that's when all the properties are the highest. And things like cayenne pepper. You know, cayenne pepper is one of the heart healthiest herbs that you can take. And we just use it to spice up our food, not realizing the power. And here's the thing. If you have spices in your cupboard and they're older than six months, six months old, um, they're the pro they might still flavor your food, but the properties that will give you the, the benefits are no longer viable. Mm -hmm. So if you have, you know, I have my neighbor, I, I was talking to her just just yesterday, we were out in our yards, we both have gardens going. She says she still has the little spice wheel she got for her wedding 13 years ago. And all the spices are still in the little jars and it's, it's a decoration. She said sometimes she uses it and it's like, oh my gosh, you need a Get rid of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually did that not too very long ago. Uh, <laughs> last year, I went to a spice shop where everything tasted so much fresher, and I went home, and I promptly cleaned everything out, and I put some things that I needed to use at the front, and I made a concerted effort to get rid of anything that, I mean, I threw away anything that was too old, but I wanted to use up any blends that I hadn't used so I could replace it with all, like, the the herbs from the freshest company because <laughs> there was such a giant flavor difference, and, yeah. I mean, why not? Like, that's important to me. I want good quality, fresh herbs that you can taste the freshness. Yeah. And the easy one is like black pepper. You should use the peppercorns where you grind it every time you put it on your food, because then it maintains some of the integrity of the properties of pepper. Um, when it's, you know, once it oxidizes and it's ground, just ground pepper flakes, it, like I said, it'll flavor your food a little bit, but you're not going to get any of the amazing benefits of pepper. You know, so that's easy. That's you know, easy. the, the biopurine in the pepper is known to help with absorption of, let's say, turmeric. But I didn't realize that it apparently does that for a lot. Like, it's a, it's a cofactor for, or it helps with absorption of lots of nutrients. I was just talking to someone else about it's, nutrients the other day. And so I didn't realize that pepper kind of did that for a lot of things. Completely true. Yep. 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 Okay. What are some other examples you like to use? One of them that I've heard I'll interject is putting teas in your smoothie that you've steeped, but, um, just to like add, add that into your life. I feel like I need to make a different batch of tea every week, but anyway, what else? Yeah. So well, what kind of tea are you talking about? Just herbal tea that you drink? No, uh, I mean like creating infusions on purpose. So maybe you want to get Tulsi and nettle and whatnot and make a really heavy infusion, but in order to just add that to something else, like rather than putting water in the smoothie, like use a tea, like depending on what your goal is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good idea. I mean, I, you know, I kind of go in phases with, with smoothies. Mm -hmm. Like, I love a good smoothie, but sometimes I do them every day for, like, a year and a half, and then I'm just, like, done with it for six months. Right, yeah, me too. Uh, but, yeah, I've actually never done, and if you, like, put tea in a smoothie instead of water, but that's an excellent idea. I drink tea all day long, um, and just because I love all the properties of tea, and it's unsweetened organic tea, like some of my favorites are Pura tea, Nettle tea, um, uh, pot of arco tea. I drink that every single day. You know, pot of arco is powerful. 
Yeah, so, let's talk about that because in theory, it's kind of an antimicrobial. So is it something that yeah. you should take every day? Is that appropriate to be drinking yeah. it every day? Or, or what do you think? Yeah. Obviously, yes. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to take it. It's got some anti, really good anti-candida properties. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also got anti-cancer properties. I personally love the woodsy taste of it. Um, and I just, you know, I, I, it's become part of my routine and I, that I love. Yeah, it's totally safe to take every day. It's not one of those things that your body will build an immunity to or uh, there's organ toxicity to pot arco tea. And I don't, I think you can overdo anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, one or two tea bags a day of something every day is fine. Yeah. Um, so you're just using loose leaf pot arco. Right. Yep. Cool. Tell us, um, you know, tell us why you're taking Pura and Nettle. Nettle's one of my favorites as well, but tell us why you take that because other people, I find that it's like one of the most useful herbs out there. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, is like here, here's one of the things like Nettle and even Pura tea, they all, almost every plant and every food that's a superfood or even your fruits and veggies, they all have anti-cancer properties. And the thing is, there's a lot of nuances in, you know, like if you think about nettle tea, it has lots of minerals and vitamins. It's got vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin K. It's got potassium and iron and, and magnesium. I mean, it's got all of these properties and it, and it tastes really good. I think if, if someone that's listening to this is not on the bandwagon for drinking tea, they need to, they need to get on that bandwagon. And I, and I'm not saying sweeten tea or, um, you know, just find a great organic source for, for your tea bags, um, and Pura tea the same. And you know, sometimes I will be honest. I do the Pura tea sometimes, sometimes because I need a little kick of energy. <laughs> mm-hmm. I actually don't know what Pura is. Tell me what Pura is. Pura is um, a leaf that grows in India, and um, it's just it's just it makes a really super dark tea, and it's just it's got a little bit of caffeine in it, and it's just something I really enjoy. And it's just got some, this, kind of the same as nettle, but it's dark. It's like a dark brown. It almost, if you steep it too long, it almost looks like coffee. Okay. Got it. Maybe I've seen it in some blends then. There's, there's a new blend out there, you know, that's kind of like the, co- there's a few things out there that are like coffee substitutes. I yeah. forgot about this. I was harping on this for a while. I need to like, when I get on a kick, put it on the wall so I don't forget about it. <laughs> but uh, for a while, you know, we like rely on coffee. I don't, necess- I don't really have a problem with coffee unless it's like we're depending on it um, or it's not good quality. But if we would just interject at least a cup of tea and vary that over time instead of coffee, like we would be getting so many other polyphenols and antioxidants and other beneficial properties. I know that right. coffee has its own beneficial properties, but it's kind of like the same thing over and over and over. Whereas if you'd rotate tea, you could be really like getting, you could be getting a ton of benefit just by doing that. Yeah. Well, and here's a great tip with peppermint tea, which I've been doing this for a long time. And this is one of the things that kind of helped me really, really get rid of my sugar. I used to have a kind of a bit of a sugar addiction in my twenties and thirties, which I know a lot of people struggle with that. But if you, if you steep up a, a cup of peppermint tea, take the tea bag out and put a teaspoon of uh, coconut oil in right in your tea and stir it up. And it not only tastes really good, but it absolutely completely stops a sweet tooth. Like you will no longer have a desire to eat something sweet. So during the holidays, I always have a cup of peppermint tea with a teaspoon of coconut oil 
Um, and sometimes the only thing people need to really get used to is just a little is, is drinking and t- and feeling the mouthfeel of the oil. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've done that. But you know, if you use a little $8 latte frother and put that in there, it makes for a nice foam at the top. And it makes for the most softest lips. Uh, I forgot about that until you yes, yes, that is one thing I like is the soft lips. But that's a great idea. Yeah. That latte frother comes in very handy for a lot of things. <laughs> I have found it's like my new magic thing for kids for getting them to take some things that I might like them to take, which is a good segue into kids and herbs. So one of like we're not really in this season right now, but I want to talk about this a little bit. Medicine cabinet herbs, keeping the immune system strong. Um, what do you think? Like what's in your medicine cabinet at home for herbs that you just wouldn't live without? Well, I mean, I love a ton of herbs. So there's, um, of course, I have lomatium. I would never be without lomatium. I love osha, osha root. Um, has a lot of similar properties to lomatium, uh, but it's got some different, it's got a special affinity for the lungs. Like it really loves to keep lung tissue healthy. Um, I love elderberry. I Like I would not, ha- not have cayenne pepper, a cayenne pepper tincture. Feverfew because it's really great for headaches and um, any type of migraines. Even little kids can benefit. Like if you have a kid, most kids don't get headaches, but if they are sick and they have a headache, a few drops of Feverfew is really, really good. Um, Echinacea, which is super common, but Echinacea is really good for the immune system and it's great for little kids. Uh, And that's an herb you should actually rotate because your body will build an immunity to Echinacea. Uh, but what a lot of people don't realize about echinacea too is that it's a good lymphatic cleanser. So it can actually stimulate and cleanse the lymphatic system. So that's a good reason to go through some echinacea. But that's probably my core. I mean, I have a, you should see my my <laughs> my herbal apothecary. It's, there's bottles and jars and stuff of stuff everywhere. Yeah, I love it. So I love it's, it. it's hard to say what my favorites are just simply because, I mean, I get, pretty much gave you a list of my favorites, but um, I've got a pretty wide little herbal apothecary that I can pull from for whatever it is that ails you. So it's so good. I, I actually want to ask about delivery, favorite delivery methods too. But before we do that, let's talk about some of these herbs that you just mentioned. Feverfew is actually good for actually fevers as well, isn't it? Or is that a different one? Yeah. No, that's actually how it got its name as well. And it's good for people with chronic migraines. I mean, there's other issues involved. Like I believe that there are some, some emotional things that like some emotional trauma that that goes along with things like migraines and not for everyone, but I do think that that's a factor that needs to, people need to address. Um, but yeah, so feverfew, but here's a cool thing about feverfew. It contains an alkaloid called parthenolide, uh, that stimulates adult stem cells. So we have a lot of practitioners who will use it in cancer therapies for people who are doing natural protocols, uh, especially if there's a you know, blood cancers or cancers that need to have the stem cells. And then you use uh, fasting and autophagy. Mm-hmm. You put the body into autophagy and you you use feverfew, then you're actually adding an extra boost with, with what that does for the stem cells. So feverfew has a lot of really cool benefits besides just what it does for headaches and migraines and fevers. So mm-hmm. yes, it, that's a good one to have in your, in your house. Interesting. Yeah. I, um, I hadn't, Usually, sometimes besides the ones that I like routinely use, I sometimes rely on people to tell me, like I'll say, hey, this is something that could work and you can tell me if it does. And so I had a a family member that had some kind of routine fevers. Um, And yeah, it it was 
it did it was effective so it's nice to hear it's nice to know when things things work and of course the, we do think they work but sometimes it's the dose it's the frequency it's it's lots of things right the quality or yeah. the delivery method so i feel All like i feel like we could maybe talk about that and then maybe we'll come back to lomatium and, and some other things let's talk about delivery method um it depends on what the use is right but um what do you think let's talk about delivery methods your favorites and why you like that particular option yeah yeah so um i'm really super familiar with uh, you basically your concentrated tinctures, herbal tinctures, because that was really what my dad loved, and he loved to do extractions using all alcohol, so 190 proof organic. He used to use grain. We use cane now, um, and so basically that when you have a liquid that's in uh, an alcohol base, it does a few things. First of all, especially for herbs that have a lot of tannins and oils, like a lomatium root is really full of all of these resins and oils. And the best way to pull the properties out of a, a root like that is with alcohol. Because there are some plants that might need water, alcohol, and glycerin to get the properties out. But my dad, really what he did is he specialized in plants that needed alcohol. And when it even is in a liquid form, no matter what the, the base constitutes, the nice thing is your delivery method is right to the bloodstream. So nothing has to digest, nothing has to break down. You take something, especially on an empty stomach, and your tissues just absorb it, like very quickly. Mm -hmm. So that nothing, ha everything just, so it goes to work very, very quickly. And one of the things that I like is that it also gives it a long shelf life, when, because we don't, uh, we do one tincture that is in a, a vegetable glycerin base and a little bit of alcohol, but the rest of them are in all alcohol. And we do suggest people put them in water before they take them, but um, it gives them a very long shelf life. So you could have, you know, 50 bottles of tinctures and they can sit on your shelf indefinitely because the shelf life, it, the alcohol acts as a preservative. Now, some plants need to go through the digestive system. Like I prefer turmeric. In, through the digestive system with a little bit of black pepper because like you said it it uh, has black pepper has piperine which releases an enzyme in your liver which helps your body absorb turmeric um, uh, also lomatium through the digestive tract what my dad found is when you take lomatium and it, it in a capsule form it goes to work on deeper pulmonary or respiratory infections so when you digest it as compared to the liquid where it goes right to the blood bloodstream Basically, what you're doing is you're getting uh, a, a more easy way for your lungs. That's just better for your lungs or respiratory infections, which is interesting. Yeah, totally. So the capsule, I just want to make sure I understood that. The capsule yeah. works better for the lungs. So <laughs> that was what I was writing. I'm like, that, did, I, that, did, that didn't make sense. Like, I wrote that, and then it didn't make perfect sense. So Yeah, yeah. So it just depends on what, you know, because there are some variables. Everybody's a little different. We do. We are all biology, so there's going to be some similarities. But you know, people have different weight. People have different sensitivities. You know, someone might need four drops to get the same results that someone is going to use to get like, maybe 50 drops. So it's there's there's a you know there's a there's learning and there's um, and it's not the the thing that's beautiful about herbal medicine is that your chances of actually doing something that would really hurt you are very minimal. Are very I mean. You know, you could overdose on a prescription drug and it would it could even maybe hurt you bad and kill you. But, you know, with herbs, you might get sick, stomach ache or diarrhea or whatever. Mm -hmm. you know? So that's actually nice. 
Sure. So what about for kids? Let's say you want to be able to give herbs to your kids, but if it's in this alcohol tincture, they're just not tolerated in water. Sometimes I bought tinc- like different mixes from little herb shops when I've been traveling and then uh, th- this taste is strong. So what do you say to that? What do you, what's your, um, what are your hacks for overcoming that little piece? Cause I know the glycerin is a bit tastier, right? And there's some companies that kind of mix things in, but that doesn't work for other people. Um, so how do we make it work? Uh, if we start with alcohol or something really pure and we need it to be palatable. Yeah. So when my kids were little, so my kids are 36 and 37 now, so they've been using herbs for a long time. And they, and my, because my, of what my dad did, I was able to give them these things when they were just babies. Like if they got sick, you know, my kid, my first son got lomation when he was two months old. So very, very safe. So what the thing is, when you have an herbal tincture, say I'm going to give my two-month-old uh, three drops of lomation in a tincture form. So I'm going to get a teaspoon of water. I'm going to put the drops in water in a teaspoon. I'm going to get a, a, a clean dropper. I'm going to squeeze up the lomation that's in the water. Now, this is three drops in a teaspoon or tablespoon of water is pretty diluted. Mm-hmm. So you're, the taste is almost nil. I mean, you, it's, you're still going to get it but not much. And then I would basically, what I used to do is to squeeze it in the side of their cheek because at two months, they're not even drinking out of a sippy cup. So my experience is that it's such a minimal amount of alcohol um, and you're going to dilute it with water anyway. Uh, The only reason, there's a couple reasons not to do it. If you have a, a sensitivity to alcohol where your system just can't even handle small amounts of it, then, then here's a really easy way. Simply dissipate the alcohol out and the way you do that is you boil some water don't do it in the microwave boil some water pour some boiling water into a cup about a fourth of a cup put your drops into the water and no matter what your dose is for a kid or an adult or whatever and when the water comes down to room temperature the alcohol from the heat of the water will be dissipated out the herb will be in there and it doesn't disturb any of the efficacy of the herb to be in hot water at that point once it's already been extracted and it's, you know, been in there. So you can do that. You can dissipate the alcohol out um, and do it that way. Yeah, it's easy. Okay, so Lomation keeps coming up. Let's talk about it. What is Lomation? What's it look like? Where is it growing? What is it good for? (laughs) Okay, so Lomation is a game changer in my opinion. So Lomation is a broad spectrum antimicrobial. So basically that means anything that's virus, fungus, yeast, and some types of bad bacteria. It doesn't disturb any beneficial bacteria. Um, it doesn't appear to. So it's really can go after things that are pretty hardcore. Um, my husband actually has been able to eradicate and test negative for a 20 year herpes virus that he had. So we, I mean, this was one of the plants my dad studied. It's a Native American plant, so it grows, but it grows in only one part of the world, which is the Pacific Northwest of the United States. And here's the kicker. It's never been successfully cultivated. So you can't take a bunch of seeds and plant it and cultivate it. So we wildcraft it every year. We go out, and the part of the plant you use is the root. And after we pull it out of the ground, we slice it up. We have to have it sliced up in about inch-wide slices, and, and laying on drying racks so that it can oxidize. Because part of what makes all the properties of the plant um, work is the oxidation. It's the curing, part of the curing process. And then uh, it goes into tincture form or capsule form. 
and basically colds, flu, UTIs, ear infections, um, anything that's a virus, a fungus, a yeast, or a, a bad bacteria. And, and that's a broad, that's a lot of stuff. And it's safe for babies, it's safe for anyone who's brave enough to try it because there's a small percentage of people who will get a full body one-time detox rash from taking this. And this is something that I know you're aware of um, and are maybe a tiny bit hesitant about taking it, but but yeah. Well, I work with people that already have skin rashes and actually yeah. the challenge is sometimes when you perturb the microbiome and things just right. don't want to be eliminated, it looks worse. And so <laughs> it's kind of the last thing someone wants, right? So yeah. um, let's talk about that just a touch more. So, oh, there's just this little detox rash you could get because when you kill things off and if you can't eliminate them, your skin's going to say, I can help you and let me give you a rash for it. But that isn't very fun. So then what do you do? I mean, I think this could be a two-part question, um, and I have some other questions about lamation, but what do you do with the detox rash? How long will it stick around? Do we even know that? Um, is there other things you can help to support moving things out? I mean, honestly, moving things out is a something we're all struggling with frequently, and I'm always looking for new ideas for moving things out anyway, so I'll, I'll take whatever your ideas are there, too. Yeah. No, I have a lot of ideas because this is something that we deal with all the time, and so the rash is a one-time thing and it is temporary. So it lasts, I've seen it last anywhere from two or three days to 10 to 14 days. And it, it only happens once. It only, and what I find is a lot of long-standing systemic issues clear out. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, you've been, were, you know, you've been dealing with people that have been having skin issues like eczema and psoriasis and, and it's already something that is really difficult for them to deal with. Um, this is not a permanent thing. Someone uses lamation, it doesn't add on top of their issues, but what this is what I believe is happening. When someone uses lamation for the first time and they get a rash, what, what what's happening, and this is what I believe because I've talked to literally thousands of people and I have a I have a folder on my computer with thousands of photographs of people's rashes in different stages. Um, and so there's been a lot of data that I've been able to collect over the last 20 years, which has been really fascinating for me because not only have I been collecting it, but a lot of the practitioners that use my products and use, use Lomatium have been able to gather as well. But I believe that the, the body finally has a tool, which is Lomatium, to eradicate a viral load, a fungal load. I believe personally that it's mainly a viral load. 95% of the world's population has Epstein-Barr virus. I mean, that's, the, that's most people on the planet. So we all have these systemic viral loads that maybe are low grade, maybe they don't rear their head, especially if we're taking good care of ourselves and we don't have a lot of stress. We are able to keep a lot of this stuff at bay. But when you introduce lamation into the body and it finally has a tool to eradicate whatever it is it's trying to eradicate, it, the liver as your major, as your detox organ simply can't handle it because it's coming too fast. Now, if you have a super healthy liver, um, and we have some steps that we put people through that we're suggesting, you know, they do before they try lamation to support and detox the liver. But your when your body finally has this tool to eradicate this problem, your liver can't handle it. Your skin just helps out. Your skin is your largest organ. And your skin is just handling. In fact, I just got off the phone this morning with a woman whose 17-year-old daughter has just wrapped up a really horrific rash. It's really rare to see rashes in young people. You know, little kids, very rarely. Teenagers, rarely. But this girl has had all kinds of health problems. And 
she, her rash was like a bad, bad rash. And today the mother told me her skin has never looked better. She has more energy. I mean, what happens is you clear these issues out and life changes for these people. So, you know, this is what I say. If you can support and detox your liver using things like milk thistle, dandelion, chunky piedra, you know, loves the liver, support detox your liver, stop drinking alcohol for, you know, a period of time. If you like your glass of wine or your drink every now and again, give your liver every chance to just be as healthy as it can. And then use Lomatium. Your chances go way, go down for the chances of the rash. And then you, and if you do get it, you need it. It's a healing crisis. Yeah. It reminds me, it's unkinking the hose before you turn up the faucet. I'm like, yes. on record. I always use the same yes. analogies. But <laughs> nope, that's perfect. That's a perfect analogy. It's exactly right. And if you can predict it, I think if someone's already got a skin issue, they're just a, I, this happens a lot. Sometimes we try to like mess with something and then things get a little worse. It's like, Oh, should have, should have unkinked the hose first. <laughs> um, so, oh, yeah. so anyway, Jane, if you could leave people with one thought, like one takeaway, because they're so intrigued by herbs and they're just like, oh, I don't know where to get started because it, I mean, it is a lot of trial and error. I feel like if you don't know what's going to, yeah. where would you tell them to start? Where would you, what would you tell them to do? Well, first of all, I would say this, we need to realize that we are healing machines. Like our body knows how to heal if we give it the right tools. Um, and You've got to bit, put a bit of, of epigenetics in there. You've got to take care of the biology and you've got to take care of your belief systems. You have to believe, you can't just do all the right things and then not believe that you can get well. So that that's one piece that I, I think is super important. Um, and I think as far as where to start with herbs, um, you know, pick up, pick up some, you know, a, a book on herbal medicine and I, I can, you know, I've got, my library is huge and I'm just trying to think of where I would start somebody. Um, there's a, there's a woman named Dr. Linda Page. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. She wrote uh, a really good guide. Um, let me see. I have it somewhere really handy. It's, uh, I think it's called, I think it's just called um, herbal healing or nutritional healing or something. I'll, I, I'll give you the link so you, or the name so you can put it in the show notes. But that's that's actually a really good resource that I think would get people started. Cool, good. Yeah, because it's a lot. It, it is, is a lot. lot. Yeah, I mean, you just you can just play with just one category, right? I tend to just gravitate to things that are already done. <laughs> After I started the herbal course, I was right. like, yeah, I'm gonna just use some things that are already done, and we know it work <laughs> well. So. Yeah, I don't think people have to put a lot of guesswork into it. I think they just have to be willing to start to start researching and then also just go with what feels good for you. Like, don't just go, you know, diss the medical model and say, you know, cause I think that they need to marry each other. Right. You know, I think that we, sometimes we need modern medicine and sometimes we need natural medicine and they need, we need to come together with that. Right. And medications are based on plants, a lot of them. Yeah. And so, yeah. um, I mean, I, I think, I think practitioners want to bring certain things in, um, that are safe and known to be effective. So I think we just have to give people an opportunity and educate. So I agree totally. And you know, the biggest place for people to start is their nutrition with their food, what they're eating. Right. Yeah. Well, I know you. I know the. I know what you mean. So thank you so much. I hope we get to have another conversation another time about a very specific herbal topic because this is, you know, one of those exhausting topics. And if you ever want to come out to the middle of nowhere and go what you call wild crafting, <laughs> you'd be my guest. Uh, we'll okay, you're adorable. I would love that. Okay, great. Thanks so much, Jane.
Thank you, Krista. One of the best gifts you could give us at The Less Stress Life is your feedback. We are paid in podcast reviews. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, please leave us a review. In the iTunes store or from your podcast app, just search for Less Stress Life as if you're not already subscribed. Click on the banana face image, scroll to the bottom where it shows the text of other reviews, and write a review. While you're there, hey, make sure you hit subscribe. For Android or Stitcher users, you gotta go to the desktop site and search for Less Stress Life, and then scroll down to leave a review. Stitcher doesn't load Apple reviews on their site, so if you want, you can leave a review in both places. Your feedback means a lot to the success of the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to do that. You rock. 